0: coffee, just make your way as soon as possible. But I've been reminded of a couple of announcements that I didn't make. Uh, If you're here and you need Spanish translation, we're starting a Spanish translation service today. All right. So uh, if you know anybody that English is not their first language and they're more comfortable listening in Spanish, we have a Spanish translation service. It's going to be going on every week starting at the 10 o'clock service. The 1130 will not have it. So I want you guys to say it to me. Spanish translation I got one person Spanish translation is at the 10 o'clock all right so if you need Spanish translation and you would like to have it you can see Lupe right over there and that is Lupe she's gonna her and Liliana uh, Barrera are leading out on that so we want to we first of all we want to just say thank you so we want to do that we wanna give Lupe a little, little applause right and then if you volunteered at Fall Thing if you were a volunteer at Fall Thing we want to clap out for you. So let's clap out for you. Come on, you can clap for yourself. Yeah. We collected uh, 320 contact cards, which is basically a record. So, so you know that event, was, it seems to be building like every year. We did less promotion this year than we ever did. And we actually had more people there than we ever did. So uh, it was really good. We had a lot of connection. Um, I just want to give you guys a little bit of insight on fall thing. Sherry has been able to make connections with Fall Thing. My, you know, my wife, my co- the co-pastor here with me, she definitely is worthy of any credit that happens. Uh, she has a team that works with her, but she was able to make connections with the city commissioners. She was able to make connections with a bunch of businesses here. And so the relationships that she's been able to forge, just even with the city themselves coming out of this event, uh, are not easy to do. And just so you know, we used to sponsor that event 100% from the church, and now the church sponsors it zero. So we have Milam's donated all the candy, Sherry got that to happen. We had the city commissioners, two city commissioners gave us a total of almost $3,000. To do the event, we needed more than that. The event typically costs between five and six, but she raised almost half of it through the city themselves, and uh, we were able to pull that whole thing off. And what had happened in uh, in years past is we used to have to we we would do it just as an outreach. And I'm like, well, we're just going to do it, which it still is an outreach, but we've been able to network, and it's become more of a community event. So um, that's one of the reasons why we do it. Our motivation in doing it, the businesses do it because they want to reach new customers. Well, we do it because we want to reach people with the gospel. That's, that's why we do it. We want to tell people about Jesus, and we want to connect people to the gospel. So that's the whole, whole motive there. But anyway, I just want to give you guys a little insight as to how that whole thing works. But we're going to do a series. We're talking about a series on prayer. Anybody need prayer? Yes. Yeah. Anybody need to know how to pray? Yes. That's our biggest problem is we don't know what we're doing, right? Yeah. It's true. We do not know what we're doing, and that's okay, Prayer is central to Christianity. It is literally at the center of our faith. When you, go, when you saw Jesus go into the temple, right? There's two stories. I think it's uh, uh, John and Luke where Jesus overturned the tables of the money changers. He goes in there and he declares the house to be what? A house of what? A house of prayer for all people, right? wasn't a house of singing. wasn't a house of teaching, although those are important. It was a house of prayer. What prayer basically is, at its core, is this interaction with God. That's really what it is. Now, before I get into this, some of you are like prayer people, so prayer is a huge topic. So we're going to come at it very simply. There's different modes and there's different methods of prayer. But for most people, most people do not understand prayer, so it has to be begun at a very simple level. And as you, if you would understand it as simply being communication with God from an honest heart, then you'll begin to understand what really prayer is. And God, like anything, anytime you walk with Jesus, He always matures you and He always grows you. Did you know that? And the big thing with the Lord is He loves you too much to leave you the same. You may be interested in staying the same, but Jesus is not interested at all with you staying the same. He is not. He is constantly working to transform you, to change you, to renew you. And His ultimate goal is to elevate you, raise you to another level. That's why we name this church Elevate, because that is the whole matter of God's purposes in the life of His people, is to raise them up. Take people who are far from them and raise them into the kingdom. Take His people who are in the kingdom and continually raise them into higher and higher levels. That's what He does. That's who He is. Right. So prayer is central to Christianity. You become a Christian through prayer. Which is, at, which is basically entering the kingdom of God. You enter the kingdom of God, you return to Christ through prayer. Romans says, if you confess with your mouth, that's prayer, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he's risen from the dead, you will be saved. So salvation is something where you're not born into it. You're not born in it, well, my mom and dad were Christians, we went to church our whole life, therefore I'm a Christian. Wrong answer. You know? Or I attend church, therefore I'm a Christian. Wrong answer. Or somebody threw some water on me and dipped me in the water gave me a cracker and a jar of juice. I'm a Christian. Wrong answer. A Christian is somebody who has surrendered their heart and life unto Jesus Christ. It is not even a prayer that you pray. It is the release with that prayer of your entire being. We did baptisms a, a few weeks back. We had about 15, 12, 15 people get baptized. It was awesome. A lot of people brought friends, and one person brought a friend, and I ended up staying about an hour and a half afterwards to having this deep, intense, spiritual conversation with this person. And basically, the sum of the matter came down to this. She's like, well, I've prayed that prayer before. And I said, yeah, but it's not a prayer. Salvation is the releasing of your being unto Christ and the receiving of His back to you. And she looked at me and she goes, well, I'm not ready for that. And I say, well, there we have there. there we have the, the crux of the problem, don't we? You know, because she wasn't ready to release. She's ready to pray a prayer. She's ready to you know, make my life better, help me. But she wasn't ready to become born again. She wasn't ready to give her being, to surrender her being. That's what it means to be saved. It's not a religion. It's not a ritual. It's not a place that you attend. We all attend church because that's part of us, what we do as a family, it's the love of Christ that compels us. We come to our Father because He loves us. This is our Father's house. We come with our brothers and sisters. It's called koinonia. There's a love that's released. That's why you guys come to church and you all get happy. And you don't even know why. Because God releases a love in His Spirit when His sons and daughters come together. You know, y'all you were fighting on the way to church in the car. Kids are throwing stuff at you, all that stuff. You get in church and you're like, wow. Oh, what happened here? You know? It's surreal. You know, because there's a love, there's a power that's released in the presence of God through his family. It's what he does. Prayer brings us back to God and it begins our relationship. So these are the things that prayers do. The first step of prayer is to enter into the kingdom of God. The second thing that prayer does is it builds intimacy with the Lord. It's conversation. My wife cannot stand it when I don't talk to her. Can I get a witness, ladies? Anybody out there? No? Help me help you. Okay? Help me help you. She goes crazy when I don't talk to her. She wants communication from me. She wants me to engage with her. She does not feel loved unless we're talking, right? She doesn't feel that she feels bonded to me and she doesn't feel love unless I'm communicating with her and bonding with her in that way. She just does, that's that's how God's wired the woman. So what people don't understand is God is whole, right? He took his nature, put it into Adam and then divided his nature into male and female. So when the two become one, they express the full nature of God. So is God male or female? He's the wholeness. His wholeness of his creation is divided. His his persona is masculine, but but he also has characteristics of the feminine. That doesn't mean he's a woman. So please be understand what I'm saying. Hopefully you guys are smart enough, and I don't have to go down to grade school level to explain to you what God did. He created Adam as one, did he not? Okay, can we go there? So he created one being in the beginning. He created Adam, and into Adam he put his nature. And He said, it's not good that Adam be alone, so He divided Adam. He split the Adam, if you will. All right. And when He split Adam, He not only split Adam, He took qualities from Adam's life and put them into the woman. Now those qualities that He took from Adam were not Adam's exclusively; they were His from the beginning. So the woman, the male and the female, are both in the image and likeness of God. And when they get married, that's why Jesus says the male and the female, the two become one. It's the reunification of the divine nature in the human creation. Now, I'm not talking about sin and brokenness and all that crazy stuff that goes on. We're sinners. But what happens is, is when God created woman, he didn't make woman this hollow shell. He put a nature into her. Well, where did the nature come from? It came from Adam. So Adam woke up and he had qualities that were missing from his life. He probably didn't appreciate beauty quite the way she did. He's like, man, I used to like flowers. I don't know why I don't like flowers anymore. That's weird. You know, he had all these crazy things going on in his life that were changed. And so the male and the female are complementarian. They're not competing entities, they're complementing entities, each with their own strength, each with their own weaknesses, but together they make a collective whole. That's how God designed it. Do we understand this? And so intimacy with the Lord is conversation and communion. So when we can, that's why God has a desire to converse with you. That's why women want to talk to you, because you're bearing out the nature of God. When women want to talk, Jesus is a talker. He's neither male nor female. He's all. He's one. He's divine. I I, I don't know if I'm confusing you and I'm like totally tripping you. I always thought God was a man. I always thought he was a, you know, he is a man, but he is also a woman. I don't know. I feel like I'm getting like a little pushback off this. Am I getting pushback off this? Like, what's this guy talking about, man? I don't know. I'm talking about the creator putting his nature into the human creation. And I'm talking about him putting it into Adam and then splitting him, splitting him into two. Co-equal. What it really does is it raises the identity of the woman. What he really does, and that's a great... I don't know why I'm on a woman kick here for some reason. Jesus is the greatest emancipator of the female that ever existed. Women flocked to him. He elevated the status and the position of women all the way through his ministry. Women were created were talked to and even treated in every religion as second class. You walk behind me, you don't have anything to say, you don't have anything important to say. I mean what? I don't even know. It's been was it been less than hundred years that women actually could vote in this country? I mean, just let's just figure that one out, right? You know, women who didn't have I mean, have had the ability to vote. So culture, society, religion, all the way around has suppressed the women. Jesus has been the emancipator. He's elevated her to equal status. Male and female, equal status because that's the way God made them in equality. And so ladies, there's a nature that you express that's in line with your father. Guys, there's a nature that she expresses that you will never tap into until you begin to recognize it in her. It just won't happen. God is not totally like you. He's like her too. So make myself clear on that. So the point being is that there's a nature of the the desire for conversation and the desire for intimacy comes from our Father. And He wants conversation and He wants intimacy through prayer. That's what prayer does. He wants to know what's going on in your life. He wants to know what's on your heart. He wants to be involved in everything that you're doing. Prayer is a consistent part of your day. Prayer is like breath. It's a conversation. It's an awareness of His presence and it's an engagement. Lord, help me. What do you want me to do here? I'm not sure, you know. That's what prayer is. Prayer can be intercession. Prayer can be declarative. Prayer can be a lot of things. But what prayer is at the intimacy level, it is a constant conversation with the Lord. An awareness of His presence. That's why the Bible says pray without ceasing. How in the world is it possible to pray without ceasing? You know what I'm saying? What, are we supposed to lock ourselves in a room and just sit there and just get down on prayer all day long? Well, the Bible says pray without ceasing. No, know, as you go, you're aware of his presence and you're engaging his presence through prayerful com- communion and prayerful conversation. So when that person ticks you off at the grocery store, you just go, Jesus, you better help me now. That's prayer. You know what I'm saying? When something really beautiful happens in your life and something really wonderful begins to experience, you begin to honor God. And that's again, that's prayer. That's an exchange. That's an invitation. That's a communion. So that's why I want you to understand what prayer is. We're programmed to think of it as a ritual. While it can be systematic, prayer, say this with me, prayer, prayer. can be a system. Prayer, prayer can be structured. But its heart, we'll say it this way, the heart of prayer is intimacy. So you can structure prayer, no problem. You can have a system of prayer, no problem. But the heart of prayer itself is intimacy. All right. So prayer activates the promises. Okay, so his world into ours bridges with prayer. Bible says God has provided everything that we need, life and godliness, spiritual principles, spiritual practices, all of the things that we need. God has already provided for us in covenant in the spirit. Okay, this is a deal. So what Ephesians says, everything that we need and everything that God has provided for the covenant of God the blood of Christ has purchased not just our salvation but has brought us into an inheritance our inheritance is in the heavenly places okay and so I've had people go well well, Jesus needs to get that down here why is it in the heavenly places because you are required to activate your inheritance you are required to draw on your inheritance and the way you draw on your inheritance is through prayer Intimate engagement and declarative promises. Prayer bridges the natural and the supernatural. That's what it does. That's why it makes no sense to the natural mind because prayer at its core is spiritual. If people were to examine prayer, they're like, oh, we're just, what are you talking to the air? You talking to the sky? N- not at all. Prayer is literally the bridge between the natural and the supernatural. Prayer brings the supernatural into the natural and anybody who's ever prayed and seen some things happen you know exactly what i'm talking about okay so prayer activates the promises of god prayer aligns our hearts and our lives there's something that happens when we begin to pray and we begin to come into alignment we begin to come into agreement with god all of a sudden all of the things in our life that were out of order certainly come back into order you ever feel better when you pray huh yeah you, you things just all of a sudden you're like oh Because you've just realigned. Prayer realigns us. Next slide. He's made everything beautiful in its time, Ecclesiastes. And he said eternity in the human heart. No one can fathom what God has done from the beginning. Well, this verse here, he's put eternity in the heart. Here's a couple of clues. Number one, you're an eternal being. You will live forever. You will live eternally. People say, no, when I die, my body's over. Who told you that? You're believing a lie. I always tell people to say that. You should go to Vegas, man, because you're playing the odds. Odds are you're going to lose. Your being is eternal and it will live forever. Your body will die, but your spirit will live eternally. You will either live in the kingdom of your creator or you will live in the kingdom of a fallen fallen angel. You will either go where he goes or you will go where your Lord is or where the Lord is. The choice is yours. God doesn't determine the fate of the human spirit. You do. You either confess Christ is Lord or you deny Him. There's no in-between. Jesus is Lord or He's not. And your decision or your choice on that matter determines your eternal destiny. That is an absolute fact. That is an inconvenient truth. Right? That is a truth that we really don't want to accept. And that truth, the humans don't really want to accept that there's a heaven and there's a hell. But there's a hell. I've had people ask me, is there a hell? I'm like, hell yeah, there's a hell. Yes, there is. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And not every person that dies goes to be with Jesus. I just got a clue phone for you. Not everybody that lives is God's child. Only those who receive Christ are his children. Only those who bow their knee unto the lordship of Jesus Christ are heirs to his kingdom. You don't bow your knee to his lordship, you're not an heir to his kingdom. He has no right to invite you into his kingdom. You don't even have a right of entry. That's why when we present ourselves when the believer dies to be absent from the Lord, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. We have absolute right to enter that kingdom. The angels will throw open the gates. Come on down. Price is right. You know, but if you, Jesus is going to look and he's going to go, I don't know you. I don't know you. Who are you? Oh, but I went to church a few times. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. You never gave me your being And you never allowed my being to enter you. I don't know you. That's the truth. Where's eternity in the human heart. Somebody says we have a hunger and desire for spiritual things. I would put it another way. We have a need for spiritual things. You don't just have a hunger and a desire for spiritual things. You have a need for spiritual things. You have a need for water, don't you? But you don't always feel the desire to get up and get yourself a glass of water. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that we have a need for, but we don't really feel the desire for it. You ever get hungry and you don't really feel like making yourself any food? Yeah. You know what I mean, your body's like, I got a need here for some food. And you're like, oh man, I don't want to. You know, give me the phone, let's order something. You know, you're kind of like spiritual things, the spiritual things, there is a need in the human heart, in the human design for spiritual things. It's a need, it's not even a desire. And so what happens when people begin to engage the spiritual thing, the spiritual things that God has for them, life begins to come into them. Most people don't even realize their need for the spiritual until they enter the spiritual. People out that don't know Christ, and there's lots of them that have never given their lives to Jesus, they're like, well, I think I'm spiritual. Well, they don't even realize the need that they have for the spiritual. You have a hunger and a desire for prayer, but here's the problem. We don't know how, okay? Okay. Let's just be honest, we really don't know how. Some of you who've cultivated it and developed it over the years, you guys, you know, you can go to the head of the class. You're ahead of most people. Most people don't pray because they don't know how, okay? It's very simple. It's not difficult. And the more you practice it, the more God will educate you. The more you practice it, the more the Lord will help you. The more you practice prayer, the more you participate in prayer, you're going to realize, wow, I'm praying like a, like a freak, man. Like, I'm on. Yeah, because he will take you there, and you're like, how did you learn to pray like that? I just pray, and Jesus just starts, he just starts taking you there. It's just what he does. Spirit helps us in our weakness. Ready? Here we go. Romans eight twenty six. We don't know what we should pray. Hello? I know I should pray. I know I got a need, but when some, sometimes we're facing circumstances, and we know we should pray about it, but the circumstance is so overwhelming to us that we don't even know what we're supposed to do. I don't even have the words to say. I know I should pray for my family. I know I should do this. I know I should do that. But I don't know what I'm doing. The Spirit intercedes to us through wordless groans. So there's different participations. We'll get into this in the future. But I want you to understand that the Bible already recognizes the fact that you don't know how to pray. It's It's already recognized. So don't pretend like you do. And if you do know how to pray, it's because you've engaged the Lord and he's helped you and he's coached you and he's developed you. Prayer is not a magic wand, Right? Burger King Jesus, that's what I call him. I want it my way and I want it now. Ding. Right? And when it doesn't come my way and it doesn't come now, we don't want it. You know, or we're mad. So prayer is not a magic wand. Prayer is not a last resort. This is what prayer looks like for most people. Well, I guess we're just going to have to pray. Has it come to that? You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, all we can do now is pray. <laughs> prayer is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, and if you can connect prayer with the presence, then you're in prayer. When you're in the presence and you're communing with the Lord and you're talking with God, you're in prayer. That is an intimate aspect of prayer. And again, I'm not taking away from the structure. I'm not taking away from the systems of prayer. Those are important too. But for the majority of us, the intimacy or the relationship in the spirit, the awareness of God's presence and the communion with his presence, that in itself is prayer. Giving and receiving, making your heart known, receiving instruction, whatever it is He has for you. Okay, here's a big one. Gu- prayer's not guilt-driven, right? We, some of you all, we've grown up in religion. Oh, we go and we say, oh, you know, i got to go do ten Hail Marys and three Our Fathers. You know, i got to go pray. You know what I mean? So is motivated out of a sense of guilt. God never intended prayer to be motivated out of a sense of guilt. Next slide. Prayer activates the supernatural. Say this with me. Faith, Faith. come on, Faith faith is the currency of heaven. Faith moves heaven. That's right. Human need does not move heaven. This is hard for people. Well, if God really cared, then why doesn't He do anything about it? Because human need does not move heaven. Jesus has done all He's going to do about human need, it's called the cross. Human need and all of the purposes of human need have been met through the cross. And He's designated a body, that would be you and me, to do something about the rest of it through the power that He's provided through the cross. Faith moves heaven. Human need doesn't move heaven. Jesus walked by many people that had needs. Read your Gospel. He only engaged those that expressed faith Or those that he looked at and perceived that they had faith to receive what he was going to give them. But for the rest of them, he just kept walking on by. Well, if God really loved me, he'd do something about it. Well, if you really believed that God would do something about it, you would ask. I love the story of the woman at the well, man. Years ago, the Lord told me, if you knew who I was, Kevin, woman sitting at the well in the middle of the day, having a spiritual conversation. Oh, she's talking about God. Jesus is trying to relate to her truth. She's not really receiving it. And he said, if you really knew who I was, you would ask me. If you really knew who was sitting right in front of you, Christian, if you really knew the God that has saved you and the power that resides within you and the inheritance that is actually yours, if you really knew what you had, you would ask. You're waiting on God to do something that He's already commissioned you to partner with. So we can't wag our fingers and point fingers at the Lord. It's a participation if we really believe that he is the healer, we would seek him. If we really believe that he was the redeemer, the provider, the power, whatever he is, whatever he says he is, if we really believe that, we would ask. But if you don't ask, he's just going to sit there right on the well all day long. That's what he can do. He's going to sit there until you ask. Prayer activates the supernatural. It is the currency of heaven. Faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is what moves heaven. Not need. Prayer is the lead our lives. That is so hard for people to get. We have these false perceptions of God. We have the false perception of God's love, and we call God unloving because we don't see him meeting human need. He doesn't meet the cross is the meeting of human need. The church is the participatory body of the kingdom. And we are to access the power and the provision that has been made available to us through the cross. And we are to take that power, that purpose, and that provision and bring it to the world. And that's how human need is met. We are builders of the kingdom. God doesn't move in your life until you express faith. Again, I could give you another story. I'll give you another one just for a review. You guys hear me share it all the time because it illustrates the point. He's walking. There's a blind man sitting on the corner, right? Bartimaeus, you all know the story. You should know it by now because I teach you this all the time. Sitting there with a rag on his head and a cup, banging it on the ground. Son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody's telling him to shut up. Right? God doesn't hear you. God doesn't care. God's unloving. Look, he's walking by you. He doesn't care. What, did Jesus not know he was there? Of course he knew he was there. And it said Bartimaeus cried out all the more. What was the shift? When it came from Bartimaeus' heart... It wasn't coming from some external circumstance. Oh, just have pity on me. No, Lord, I really want this. No, Lord, I really believe you can do this. Jesus stopped and he went up to Bartimaeus, but he was passing on by, y'all. He was passing on by, he was not stopping. And what's he ask him? He goes up to Bartimaeus and he asks him a question What do you want? Are you serious? I love that. It's like I got a rag on my eyes and I got a cup and I'm sitting on a corner and you're beating on the ground and you're asking me what I want. Until it mattered to him, it didn't matter to the Lord. Did God care about Bartimaeus? Sure. But I'm going to tell you, Holy Spirit don't work any harder than you, people. He does not work any harder than you. It is a partnership. He'll do all the heavy lifting for you, but he requires you to participate. So hear me. He's going to do all of the work, but you got to participate. And it's not this arbitrary will, Lord, if you will. Lord, if you're in a good mood today. Lord, if you feel like it. Would you, could you, should you? It doesn't work like that. Every person I've ever encountered, and I've been in this faith for a long time, that has ever played the would you, could you, should you, Jesus, if you're in a good mood, if you feel like it today, oh, just, you know, I don't know, Lord, if it be your will. You know what those people get from the Lord? Zero. Zero. If you don't know what the Lord's will is and you're at believing Him for something, don't say, if it be your will. His will is known. His will can be known. His will is clear. If you're going to go down that road, then call out what is according to His will. Declare His purposes. Draw from the supernatural and activate it into the natural. And do not stop until it manifests. Do not stop until you see like Elijah, the hand going through the clouds. The breakthrough of the hand of God. Do not stop praying. The prophet went up there seven times, sent the servant. Seven's not the magic number. Seven means complete. So he's saying the servant may have gone up there 30 times. The Bible's not illustrating the number of times the servant went up there. The Bible's illustrating the number seven because seven means complete. The, The servant kept going and going and going and going until he saw the hand come through the atmosphere. Wasn't seven's the magic number. It's the same thing with Naaman. He dipped seven times. Wasn't a dipping, wasn't the seven is the magic number. Naaman dipped in the, in the water until it was complete. You get the idea? That's the point. Well, I prayed seven times, nothing happened. Yeah, try praying 30, try praying 50, try praying 100. Keep going until it comes. Oh, That's for somebody. I don't know who's out there, but this is for somebody. <laughs> Prayer is a privilege. It is not penance. It's an honor. Do you know that Jesus, the King of glory, is, 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 is any of your senators, your congressmen, anybody, anybody important calling you on the phone and wanting to have a conversation with you? Is your, is your CEO of your company going, hey, I just want to come in and hang out with you. I just want to spend time with you. I want to have lunch with you. Is the mayor calling you on the phone? I don't think so. But Jesus is. It is a privilege. It is an honor to commune with the Lord. It's not a burden. So one of the corrections that God gives His people in Isaiah is that they kept saying the things of the Lord were a burden. And He said, when you stop calling the things that I say are a blessing, stop calling them a burden and start seeing them as a blessing, then everything's going to change. But so long as you keep seeing this thing as a burden, nothing's going to change. It's the whole idea of your righteousness will come forth like the noonday. When you start understanding this, oh, i got to pray. I gotta go to church. I gotta give. And you wonder why there's no harvest? You wonder why there's no activated power in your life? Because you call the things that He has given to you as a delight, you call them a burden. Just a thought. Foundational understanding prayer is communication with our Father. We're the children of God. Born by His Spirit, not all who are created are children of God. Those who receive Christ come into the family. Everybody's God's creation, but not everybody's God's child. Foundational understanding to the believer: Well, we're all God's children. Who told you that? That's not in your Bible. They that receive Christ are given the power to be the children of God. Those that have not received Christ, they're God's creation. They get common grace. We're we have access to the fullness of grace. God's creation is given measure. God's children are given fullness or the rights of fullness. Big difference. Bread is for the children. You see that common thread all through the Scripture. I try to get the Christian to understand you are not common. Stop acting like you're common. It doesn't mean you're superior, but it means you have access to things that are greater than everything else around you. And that blessing is given to you that you would change your world. We're to walk in an inheritance not so that we can be like, ooh, look at me. We're to walk in inheritance so that where we show up, the world changes. That's why he gave you the inheritance. Because you by nature are created to be world changers. (laughs) Stock market's going down. Oh, kingdom of God's never been broke. Whether the stock market rises or falls, it makes no difference to me. Heaven's never broke. My God will provide for me in season and out. It's irrelevant. Irrelevant. Who do you serve? I know who I serve. What God do you serve? That's what Joshua said. Do you serve the gods of the nature? You serve the gods of the world, the gods of the economy, the gods of circumstance, the gods of situations, the gods of human need and human greed and human lust and human desire. Is that what you serve? If that's who you serve, then go serve them. But as for me and my house, this this is who I serve. So you need to know who you're serving. Who you are and who he is is huge. Some of you, it would benefit you for the rest of your life if you were to take six to 12 months, make it a two-year journey if you got the stomach for it or if you got the fortitude for it, six months out of your life to really focus on your identity in Christ, who He says you are. And don't do it through some of these common... Most of the churches don't have a clue. That's why the churches are powerless. Powerless. Indifferent mosques, or citadels, or whatever they are. Mausoleums, that's the word. My wife was telling me like, oh Kevin, you know, we didn't get a chance to put all the games away from fall thing. I hope it's okay. And I said, absolutely, this is a working church. We're not a mausoleum. You know? we, yeah, we're gonna have some games out because we're actually trying to do something. Know who you are. Get that identity. Believe in the spirit that the promises are yours. If anybody tries to tell you the promises are yours, you, know, you need to find another coach. That's, that's a lie. Deniers of the power of God is not what you want to hear. In the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. Professing godliness, but what are they denying? What are they denying? Those who profess godliness are denying what? What are they denying? Come on, help me out. Yes, yeah, starts with a P, ends with an R. They're denying power. They're not denying doctrine. They're not denying Bible. They're not denying Christianity or fellowship or communion or even social justice. They're not denying any of that. What they're denying is power. So what does Jesus not want us to do? Deny power. He wants us to activate power. The Lord is like a father to his children and compassionate to those who reverence him. You want the Lord to father you? You want the Lord to nurture you? You want the Lord to reveal compassion to you? What it means is reverence him means spend time with him. Spending time with him, you can go about your day just being aware of his presence and communing with the Lord. You can be in a chaos and you can be communing with the Lord. You're just in communion. Me and him, we're just bonding right now. It's just going on. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? God says. gift, to gift. All my life I've been told I talk loud. So, if you all, anybody out there that has ever been told they talk loud, you know what the Lord told me when I used to tell him? I'm like, oh, Lord, I, I talk loud. He's like, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. <laughs> I was in a restaurant and they're like, You talk so loud. I go, I know it's a gift. It's a gift. I tell him it's a gift. <laughs> we can be confident in approaching God knowing that He listens whenever we ask Him anything according to His will. And since we know He hears us when we make our request, then we can be sure that He answers us. Say it with me. Jesus always answers prayer next slide he always does prayers from the heart ready here it is it's simple sincere it can be deep it can be powerful it can be emotional and it can be structured you can cry you can be angry did you know that people like I don't want to be angry with the Lord well you are so you need to tell him Lord I'm angry Lord I'm upset Lord I'm disappointed but you need to be open for his correction you need to be open for his communion He doesn't despise you because you're upset. What he's going to do is he's going to coach you because what I know for certain is the problem's on your side. The problem's not on his side. So there's something in your world that you're not understanding or there's there's something, there's a lie that's been built up. There's something over here that's causing this rift. Your desires are misplaced. Your wants are misplaced. You know, you're out of line with your purpose. There's something going on there. But prayer can be simple. When you pray, say it with me. Don't be like the hypocrites. Right. They love to stand in the synagogues on the street corners. So what's going on here is the religious of the day. Prayer was a big demonstration. Everybody silence. Silence in the house of God. We are about to pray. Wave the censers. It's in your Bible, man. He says don't be hypocritical. They revealed they will receive your reward. Go to your room in private. What he's illustrating here is not that you go in your bathroom and lock the door. What he's illustrating is intimacy. Intimacy. God's not interested in demonstration. If you demonstrate, great. If you're praying out loud and it's it's moving heaven, great. But if you're doing that to just make everybody see how spiritual and powerful and awesome you are, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Look, I'm all for prayer. I I love a loud prayer service. I'm into it because that means heaven's moving. I mean, we're like, yeah, let's go. But what he's trying to tell the people is, listen, you don't have to be like these people who are doing it out of vanity. Just go and be intimate with your father. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you have before you ask. He says they think they're going to be heard because of their many words. He's trying to minister to the simple. And he's trying to get you to understand that you don't have to be able to talk a lot in order to pray effectively. God's not up there going, Kevin, you need to up your word count. I asked you for a thousand word prayer. That was 888. Where's the other 122 words that you owe me, or 112 words you owe me? God always, always, always answers prayer over 20 times. Say this with me. 20 times in the New Testament, I am commanded to ask. 20 times. He doesn't say, you know, if you feel like it, you should ask me. He commands you to ask him. He says, you need to ask me. God's answer to prayer is there's yes, no, and not yet. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. Say this with me. Delay is not denial. Yeah. We were talking over here, and there's a lot of people. I'm going to use this illustration. People want to get married, right? I'm like, Lord, how long do I have to wait? How long do I have to wait? And we were just talking over here, and it just, I just had this revelation in this conversation. And it was like, sometimes the, the waiting is actually saving you time because you get involved in a wrong relationship with the wrong person, spiritually not correct, emotionally not correct, the bond is wrong, that's gonna take you four or five years to recover from that. And some of you have been through those, right? It takes a year for the, mount, for the relationship to degrade, two years for you to get over it, and then a year to start feeling normal again. That just costs you four years of your life, you know? And so sometimes the waiting is far less painful and is actually for your benefit more so than the others. So we think God's God's against you. He's actually trying to help you. His answer is always for these reasons. When God answers you, it's for your protection. Whatever he says, yes, no, or not yet, it's for your direction, it's for your inspection, it's for your perfection, or it's for your correction. What does he do when he inspects us? I'll give you one. You ready for this one? He tells you no just because he wants to see how you're going to react. He'll tell you not yet because he just wants to see how you're going to react. He wants to know how you're going to react. He tries you because what he wants to do is he's like, I got something really great for you, but I need to see if you're capable of handling what I'm about to give you. So I'm going to test you and I'm going to tell you no, and I'm going to see how you react. It'd be like a little child stamp over there and get your pacifier out and he's telling me no. So God inspects us. We usually, when there's an inspection, you guys need to be ready for this. When God is inspecting you, it's because you're about to transform into something greater than you. So when there's a lot of inspection going on in your life, when there's a lot of, you need to wait, you need to stand there, you need to know, you need, whatever, whatever's going on, you need to do this. When he is bringing an inspection, what he is trying to do is prepare you for the season or this place that he wants to bring you into. That's why he inspects you. Because the last thing he wants to do is put something on your house and then the whole thing goes down. So he needs to see, is, he, is, is Kevin's character, is so-and-so's character capable of handling what I'm about to put on him? So let's try him out. Let's see. Okay, they handled that well, boom. Some of you it works in the workplace. All you do is complain. All you do is you know, the old gossip pool at work. And then you believe in God for a promotion. He's not gonna give you a promotion. Until he sees the character that's demonstrated, when you begin to work as unto the Lord, and you begin to understand that my boss is not my source, these coworkers are not my source. Jesus is my source, so I'm not going to look to him. I'm not going to look to her. I'm not going to look to this. I'm not going to look to that. I'm going to look to the one who is my source. Oh my gosh, you just aligned with heaven. Say I did that, and then I lost my job. Yeah, but God's got probably got a better one for you. So finally, he says, now I can get them out of that circumstances finally because now they got their heart in the right place. This is how he works. This is how he operates. Next slide. Call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. Jeremiah 33. That's Jesus' phone number right there. Y'all need to write that down. Jesus has a phone number. It's Jeremiah 33. 33. If you, being perfect, know how to give good gifts to your parents. In other words, God's going to bless you. If your kids ask you for good things and you're able to give them good things, you think God's any less loving than you? In fact, he's more loving than you. Here's another one. You don't have because you don't ask. I'll give you this. There's a lot of things you're going to miss out on, Christian, because you never ask. I had a pastor who told me, believe God for the moon. He says, if you don't get the moon, you're at least going to get a few stars. But believe God for the moon. It's true. Come on, somebody like that. Yeah. Believe Him for the moon. Believe Him for the moon. There are a lot of things that go unchanged because we don't pray. Ouch. We're waiting for Jesus to do something that he has commissioned us to do. We're waiting for Jesus. What, what prayer is in the book of Ephesians, if you're in the military, it's like a forward observer. They would, they would go and identify targets and they would call fire artillery down on these forward positions. What the Bible tells us is what prayer is, is prayer, prayer is the heavy artillery of our faith. We see circumstances and we call heaven, we have heaven's artillery down on these circumstances. That's what prayer does. That's one of the aspects of prayer. One of the many aspects of prayer. You see something in the world that's moving you, begin to pray about that. Lord, I just release heaven. Somebody asked me, how do I pray? I'm like, sometimes I'm so overwhelmed, I don't even know what to pray. I'm like, what do I do? And I heard the Lord tell me one time, just release my spirit, Kevin. I know what to do more than you do. And so what I would start doing is, Lord, I just want to release your spirit into the circumstance. I just want to release your spirit into that neighborhood. I just want to release your spirit into that poverty, into that. I just began to release his spirit. Because I was too overwhelmed, I'm like, I don't even know how to open my mouth to pray about that, but I know how to release his spirit, and that's what he told me, just release my spirit, bridge the gap, and let my spirit go in there, and let him do what he needs to do. He knows what he's doing, and I started doing that, and I'd be like, (laughs) took a lot of pressure off, right? (laughs) God longs to be close to you, this is the fourth one. This is the reason Jesus came, was to bring you back into the family and to build intimacy with you and to give you an avenue to where your prayers would be heard and you could participate and receive from his presence. Last slide. Oh, one more. I got a whole bunch of verses for you. If you want some verses. The Lord waits for you to come to you so you can have compassion. Do you know Jesus is waiting on you? You think you're waiting on the Lord? He's waiting on you. He wants you to come to him. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Well, who draws near first? We draw near. Draw near to the Lord, and then he draws near to us. We're sitting there going, well, I wish you'd draw near to me, God. Well, draw near to him. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me, Hosea 6.6. He's not interested in ritual. He's interested in relationship. Say it with me. Just as I am. People think you got to get all cleaned up. It's just like you are. Good, bad, and ugly, warts and all. Just commune with the Lord. Friendship, draw close to God, and He will draw close to you. We will be in th- we will be in the school of prayer for the next few weeks. Okay, so here's where I was wrapping it up. So we're going to be in the school of prayer for the next re- few weeks. I got a couple assignments for you. You guys want some assignments, All right? Okay, going to give you something. Activation your faith. So we asked you last week to write down five people that were in your world, that you were going around you, that you were going to ask the Holy Spirit to show you five people that you could pray for, that you could actively begin to pray for those five people. And what you're going to pray for them is just that God would open doors and at the very least that you would be willing to invite them to come to church. That's the the minimum. If there's a ministry that you can provide for them or a service that you can give into their life, then that's all the more. So I want you to write your five. If you didn't understand that, you can listen to last week's message. It's on SoundCloud. This week, I want you to begin conversing with the Lord. On your commute... On you just begin to just say, okay, and just get in His presence and just begin to commune with the Lord. Begin to talk to Him. Begin to express your heart to Him. Begin to listen back from what He thinks that He's saying to you. But just begin to practice the presence a little bit this week and begin to commune with Him in prayer. What we want to do is we want to start priming the prompt. We want to get used to it because prayer is a lifestyle. It's not an event. It's a lifestyle. It's something we do. It's something we can do throughout our day. Last slide. The greatest prayer is to know Jesus. So I want to just close the service. If you've never given your life to Christ, I gave you an example of what that was, is the releasing of your being. It's not a prayer. It's not a family tradition. It's the releasing of your being unto the Lord. If that's you, we're going to close the service with a prayer. The whole church is going to pray with us. And all I want you to do is just step in and do what I just described to you. Pray the prayer with us and just release your being to the Lord and let Him come back and put His presence inside of you. And let's just pray. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe that You are the Savior. I may not understand this, but I need a Savior. I open my heart to You, Jesus, and I ask You to come inside. I ask You to forgive me. I ask You to heal me. I ask You to restore me. And I ask You to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. And all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Say, so that's it? Nope, that's the start of it. So we're going to come and bless you one more time. I'm going to give you a little bit of room for the pictures. If you're going to take family pictures, there's going to be a sign up over there, and it's going to be in that room right there. So let me bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine down upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord give you peace. And forever may you live within his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week.